All right, I'm looking around to see what children. Pastor, you have to stay in the auditorium, all right? So make sure all the children go to that. Have you ever watched children whenever they go to a children's church service or when they are giving money and an offering? Have you ever noticed how happy they are? I wish that would rub off on some adults, you know? Somebody ought to do a video and post it. If adults smiled during the offering like children did, what would the auditorium look like? Could you imagine that? And uh, But good to see all these uh, young people from the school here tonight. Uh, I am a firm believer in Christian education. You're looking at a fellow, when I was in high school, I longed to be in a Christian school, but because of my family situation, I wasn't able to do it. And uh, I went to public school, and the Lord saw me through that, but I still do remember as a 10th, 11th, and 12th grader, I thought, boy, it sure would be nice uh, to go to Christian school. And there may be some of you, you're like, well, you thought wrong. Well, I want you to know I didn't. And uh, that was where my heart was at. And I'm glad that you can be in a place where you can learn, uh, get a good education, and, uh, and learn from a biblical worldview. That's so important. Uh, if For those of you in this church, <clears throat> if you're weary and well-doing, and you say, boy, I just don't know if we should have a school anymore. It's just so much work. Uh, just watch the news for a little bit and see how people are getting indoctrinated and get over your weariness and get back in the battle. Uh, we'll need, we need to work till Jesus comes. And so in the Christian school, I'm very grateful. I was going to say all the older people are up in the balcony tonight and all the younger people are down here, but uh, that wouldn't quite be right. But it's good to see them tonight. I look forward to being in chapel tomorrow and uh, grateful for the opportunity that we have there. I want you to take your Bibles and join me tonight in turning to Psalm 9 this evening. Psalm 9 is where we'll be. Psalm 9. Yesterday morning I started a series of messages, I think four messages I wish America would hear. And yesterday morning I started that. And I want to continue that thought tonight. I wish everyone would hear the verse that I'm going to mention tonight. I wish that everybody would hear the things that I want to share because I think it could change the course of our country. Psalm 9 tonight, I'd like to begin reading in verse number 17. That actually is going to be our text. The Bible says, The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Have you ever forgotten something before? I'm finding the older I get, the more prone I am to forgetting. I remember years ago, I forgot my wallet. I forgot where I'd placed it. It's not so bad when you're eight years old, but when you're 21 or 22 and you have a debit card and a driver's license and perhaps a credit card and other important things and a little bit of cash, all of a sudden the stakes are a lot higher. I remember whenever I, uh, you know, I'd lost that wallet, I'd forgotten that wallet where I had placed it. I looked everywhere that I could. I searched probably solid for two days looking everywhere that I could for that wallet. I'd forgotten where I'd placed it. And finally, I'll never forget, I threw up my hands. I said, well, that's it. I just need to go get another driver's license. I need to swallow my pride, tell the bank I've lost my bank card. 
I'm out a few dollars. And wouldn't you know it, after I got a new driver's license and after I found the debit card, I remembered where I put my wallet. That's a pretty horrible feeling when you forget something that's important. Listen, for you men, have you ever forgotten an important date called an anniversary? Nothing like laying in bed at night and as you're about to snore for the first time that evening, your wife looks over at you and says, by the way, honey, happy anniversary to you too. That's a bad mistake. I've been married for 25 years. I have not made that mistake yet, and I hope to never make that mistake. But you know, even sometimes we forget something as important as an anniversary. Some of you say nothing a few flowers and chocolate cannot fix. But I want you to understand something tonight. There's something far worse than forgetting a wallet or even forgetting an anniversary as big as those things may seem. Let me tell you tonight, a far greater error is this, and that's when we forget God. Now the verse that I have read tonight, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. It tells us that there is one thing that no nation can afford to do and that is to forget God. Now, as I begin the message tonight, I want to be very clear. As far as by name, I do not find America in the Bible. When I say that, I'm saying that nowhere in there could I pinpoint and say, well, in prophecy this is specifically referring to America, or in the Old Testament why America had not even come into existence yet. And yet it bothers me that there's a generation of preachers that anytime you start preaching about our country and the Bible, they act like you should never do that because America's not in the Bible. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible is a timeless book. And a long time before America came on the scene, this book was settled in heaven. And a long time after America is off the scene, this book will still be settled in heaven. Now, if you cut me tonight, I would bleed red, white, and blue. I thank the Lord for the country that I live in. You say it has flaws. You're right. And I'll tell you why it has flaws, because every one of us are flawed. So let's all take ownership of it. But I will tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, there is no nation on the face of God's earth that is exempt from God's judgment. And tonight in the climate in which we live in our country, it's not that I am here to bring gloom and doom. There's enough of that. But ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand there is a far greater mistake that is being made in this country right now that is far greater than any political mistake. As bad as we may think those are, ladies and gentlemen, we are living in a country that every day is forgetting God. And yet we as the people of God are seemingly unconcerned. We're unmoved. 
We're more moved to go to a ballot box right now than we are to share the gospel. You say, is it wrong to go to a ballot box? No, it's a good thing. It's a God-given right. I mean, God's allowed us to have it. Yet, ladies and gentlemen, the stark reality is we have a generation that's being raised up in our country that knows not God, and yet we are uncaring and we are apathetic to the fact that this country is continuing to forget God one generation at a time. And all I desire is in the next few moments to show you that if that trend continues, there's only one path. The wicked shall be turned into hell. And all the nations, America included, that forget God. (coughs) And tonight I would like to ask you the question, has America forgotten God. I'd like to make my case tonight from three vantage points to help you see the urgency of the hour. Tonight I want to begin by first of all talking about our past history. And I will admit that the first few minutes of this message will sound more like a high school history class than an exposition from the Bible. But there's a reason and there's a purpose for it, ladies and gentlemen, because if I'm going to tell you that America has forgotten God, I think I'm obliged tonight to tell you that there was a time in which God was very much in the forefront of what was happening in this country. And I'll say something tonight, it may make every liberal professor mad, but I'll tell you, without the providence of God, this country would have never come into existence. You see, there was a time, even before the founding of our nation, that there was an acknowledgement of God. Now you acknowledge God in the public sector and you are the object of ridicule. Young people in the academy, if you bow your head and you pray in a public place over a meal, you're apt to be scoffed and you're apt to be ridiculed and mocked. But you know there was a time in this country in the founding of it in which God was mentioned freely and unashamedly Did you know, ladies and gentlemen, that 88 of the first 100 colleges started in America were started for the same purpose as Ambassador Baptist College? Do you know that when you trace the roots of many of the Ivy League schools and the early education in America, you know what? You'll find them going back to a religious movement, to a church, to a denomination. Now, I know that's not very popular. But you know what honesty compels me to do? Honesty compels me to tell you tonight that when Harvard University was started, do you know what the early motto of that school was? When Harvard University, which is now a bastion of liberalism and atheism, do you know, ladies and gentlemen, when that school was started, do you know what their motto was? And listen, you can go to the archives, see it for yourself. Here it was, for Christ and the church. When the students came to Harvard, they were sat down in an orientation and they were told, this is the purpose of your education. And I quote, Let every student be plainly instructed and consider well that the main end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus, which is eternal life, and therefore to lay Christ at the bottom as the only foundation of all sound learning and knowledge. Wouldn't it blow people's minds if at Florida or Florida State, that's what they heard in an orientation? 
Ladies and gentlemen, that used to be the norm. And now our kids go off to public universities and they're taught to scoff the things that their mom and dad has taught them. The faith of kids are torn down by one professor after another. Here soon, if you've not already, you've seen lots of ads and there'll be debates that talk about the President of the United States. Could you imagine a presidential candidate stepping on the platform in our day and time and saying what George Washington said many years ago? The first president of the United States said this. He said, and I quote, It is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. You say, I don't believe it. Well, Google it. You Google it until they take it down and they try to blind your eyes from it. Because that's history. And yet, ladies and gentlemen, we live in a time where legislators stand up and they scoff at God, deny His existence, and hate God's people. Thomas Jefferson said, The God who gave us liberty, or gave us life, gave us liberty. And can the liberties of a nation be thought secure? When we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of people that these liberties are a gift from God? You understand what Jefferson said? Jefferson acknowledged liberty was a gift from God. So here's my question. When you take out God, what do you do to the liberty? Folks, I'm telling you, there's an urgency tonight, and it's far more than political. It's spiritual. We have a country headed to hell. And yet we are unmoved. But there was a day when even a president would stand up and say it's impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. In 1787, James Madison, this blows my mind, Pastor, James Madison was in his 30s when he helped pen the Constitution. I'm thinking to myself, my head's not even screwed on straight and I'm 46 and here this man pens a document the age of 36, the Constitution proposed the plan to divide our central government into three branches. The judicial, the legislative, and the executive. Do you know what helped shape James Madison's thinking and that recommendation? He read an old philosopher named Montesquieu, and Montesquieu, citing the verse that I preached on Sunday morning, the Lord is our, He's our King. The Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our King. He will save us. Citing that verse, that is what helped hatch into the mind of James Madison the suggestion with those men to have a judicial branch, a legislative branch, and an executive branch. You know, every time one of those three institutions meet, every time there's a meeting in the Oval Office, every time there's a session of Congress, every time the Supreme Court meets, I believe, ladies and gentlemen, it's just a fingerprint of the hand of God working in the minds of men to shape this nation. If you went to the Supreme Court building designed by Cass Gilbert, it was completed in 1939. <clears throat> directly above the head of the Chief Justice of the United States is a depiction of the Ten Commandments. A sculpture of Moses can be found at the eastern wing of the property depicting him as the one receiving the law. And every time the Supreme Court starts, you hear this phrase, God save the United States in this honorable court. 
Folks, that's, that's just the way it is. Our monuments stand as a testimony that there was a time in which God and His things were acknowledged openly. And then we find in the U.S. Constitution of First Amendment that many churches today have been reminded of what it says. When the Bible says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And hence our religious freedom, our religious liberty. I'm telling you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, our country is forgetting God one generation at a time. And if God's people aren't going to move, nothing's going to change. We're just going to head another day and another week close to the inevitable judgment. <clears throat> few weeks ago I was in Delaware I took my wife or took my daughter rather to Washington DC I showed her the Washington monument it's a towering obelisk it towers 555 feet above the ground do you know if you were to scale the the obelisk called the Washington monument you would find a piece of metal flashing on the top <coughs> and that piece of metal flashing would say in latin praise be to god Has America forgotten God? I think a simple comparison of history with our modern day events tells us she's well on her way when we see our past history. But I want to continue tonight and show you our present condition. Where is America tonight? Let me take you back 12 years ago. This is 12 years ago, a poll that was published by the Associated Press. Now I want you to hear me out. This was taken in 2008. I'm convinced by far today it is much worse. But in that poll, 57% of evangelical church attendees said that they believe many religions can lead to eternal life. I'm talking about, now when I say evangelical, I'm talking about people of the Protestant persuasion. I'm talking of people of all types of denominations. I'm talking about even those that are called Baptists. More than half of those people said they believe that there are many ways to eternal life. Seventy percent of all Americans with a religious affiliation shared that view, and 68% said there's more than one true way to interpret the teachings of their own religion. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if that's not a ball of confusion, I don't know what is. And that was 12 years ago. Young people, I want to tell you, every one of you in the academy, look this way. You're walking into a world today here in America that's going to challenge everything you've learned from your parents and in this Christian school. And you're going to hear a society press down upon you and say, there are many ways to heaven. Why are you judgmental? There may be some of you tonight. You say, preacher, I just think you're a little bit harsh. You say that there's not many ways to heaven. Don't you think that's a little bit proud and exclusive? Let me tell you something. Jesus put it very well in John 14 and verse 6 when He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Here's exclusivity. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. Now, if you're here tonight and you say, Preacher, I don't like that kind of religion. Well, I may not can change your mind, but if I can, talk some sense to you for just a moment. 
In North Carolina, we have Interstate 40 and Interstate 85. If I came to you after the service and I said, you know what, if you get on Interstate 40, that'll take you clear all the way down straight through Ocala. You'd look at me and you'd say, no, there's an Interstate 4, I think, near here, but not 40. If I said, get on 85, and you get on 85, it'll take you right to Miami. I'll tell you what every last one of you would do. You'd go out in that parking lot and you'd pick me apart. And you'd say, that man's not a preacher, he's a fool. Telling me Interstate 40 takes you from Ocala to North Carolina. And you know what? The truth is, you're right, it doesn't. Should I look at you and say, why are you judgmental at me? That's my truth. You had people today in society, that's my truth. Listen to me, there's, there's truth. And a lot of people say, well, I'll make my truth, I'll bend it the way that I want. If you bend the truth, it's no longer truth. And so what am I saying? I'm saying if you're here tonight and you believe you can get to heaven by good works, if you believe you can get to heaven by church membership, if you believe that you can get to heaven because you're a member of any particular denomination, listen to me, Jesus said, I am the way. But here's the reality, ladies and gentlemen. Our country is growing in population, more people headed to hell, and there seems to be a growing apathy. There seems to be less interested in going into the Lord's work. My question is, is what will it take to wake us up? We're seeing wickedness being exalted in this nation. I'll never forget, years ago I was preaching out in San Francisco, California in the 90s, late 90s. I was at a church <coughs> back in the late 90s. The pastor sat me down. He said, let me tell you what happened here just a few years ago. He said, on a particular Sunday night, I was having a person come to speak in our church. And they were going to speak on family values and they were going to speak about the biblical family unit. The husband, the wife, children. He said, we did not advertise this meeting. He said, we did not do anything antagonistic to dare people to bring it on. But he said, somehow word leaked out in our community in San Francisco. <clears throat> and before the service, earlier that week, we were called by people threatening us that they were going to come and to storm our church and they were going to keep us from having a service because they did not believe that we should be speaking about biblical values concerning the family. The pastor called the police, and as expected, absolutely nothing was done. And that Sunday night came, ladies and gentlemen, and I've heard the audio recordings of it, where people had gathered around that church, they were blocking church members as they came in, pushing church members down, scaring kids to the point of tears. And while the message was being preached, screaming and chanting like a modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah, Ladies and gentlemen, that happened in the 1990s. I think we've come a long ways the wrong way. Where is America tonight? 
2 Timothy 3 and verse 1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. If you want to know where America is at tonight, listen to the entertainment. Listen to the politicians. Just open your eyes and see that there is a coldness that is across this land. In our public schools, people are being taught life without God. They're told that there's no God that created the world, created the universe in six days. And yet the Bible tells us in Psalm 100 and verse 3, Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that made us and not we ourselves. The politician is trying to teach us to forget God by teaching freedom from religion rather than the freedom of religion. The courts are allowing God to be taken out of a pledge and they're distorting the institution of marriage. Isaiah 5 and verse 20, Woe unto them that call good evil, or evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Where are we tonight? I'll tell you where we're at in America. We're in a mess. We're in a godless mess. Ladies and gentlemen, there are empty pulpits in this country that need young men that have a boldness and a call from God to preach the Word. Where is America tonight? We're in a place where many of the larger cities have been given over to an ideology that is without God. Where are we tonight? We are in worse shape than maybe we thought. And my heart breaks tonight because many people are more keen of a political problem than they are a spiritual one that's dragging us another inch closer to hell. But last of all tonight, I want to show you our future judgment. in this part of the message, I sort of feel like a major or a minor prophet. When you read through that section of the Bible, you'll find that many of their themes were on judgment. Judgment is never a popular thing, but many times it's needful. My friend, I want to tell you here tonight, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you're playing a game with God, there's a great danger in forgetting God. My friend, you're here tonight. Maybe you're a parent or a grandparent of a student and you're here tonight and you're under the sound of my voice. Let me tell you, there's something far worse than forgetting your wife's anniversary and that's forgetting God. Why? Because the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget 
Tab. As it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. Here's the reality tonight, ladies and gentlemen. America is forgetting God with every passing day. There's a great need for God's people to be witnesses of the gospel. <coughs> There's a great need for us to be burdened for the lost souls of men. There's a great need for young people to have a surrendered heart. And it may be that God would put you in some form of Christian service. Why? Because this country is desperately in need. I'll tell you, the future of America apart from God is very bleak. And I want to ask you in closing tonight, have you remembered God? I'm not talking about, yeah, I believe there's a God. No, I'm talking about, was there a time in your life where you realized <clears throat> that you were lost and undone apart from God and you knew that Jesus Christ died on the cross and you turned to Jesus Christ in salvation and He saved you? Did you remember God? One of the most beautiful stories, I think, in the Bible is the thief on the cross. And I think on the story of the thief of the cross, we learn a very important lesson that I want to close with tonight. If you remember correctly, both thieves at the, the uh, start of that narrative were reviling Jesus. Did you know that? Originally, both of them had reviled Jesus. They were cursing Him. <clears throat> and yet, you know, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible tells us that something happened in the heart of one of those thieves. And let me tell you tonight, that gives me hope. And I'll tell you what hope it gives me. Somebody can step in their church and their heart be as hard as a brick and through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, they can soften. Let me tell you, there may be somebody, you've come in this room tonight and you say, boy, my heart is hard against God. And yet while you're hearing this message, God is softening your heart. Listen to me, friend, don't be afraid. It happened to a thief on the cross many years ago. And that man's heart softened and now all of a sudden he sees the truth about Jesus. This man, he's done nothing amiss. And do you remember what He said to Jesus? He said to Jesus in His dying words, a man who is a convicted thief, he was a convicted felon, so to speak. And in His dying moments, you know what He did? He remembered God. And He looked to Jesus and He said, Remember me when thou enterest into thy kingdom. I know that's not your traditional sinner's prayer. <clears throat> but you rest assured, that was that man's acknowledgement that this is the Son of God. And as great a statement as that was, do you remember what Jesus said to him? Today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. You know what I learned in that story, ladies and gentlemen? Here it is. 
if you'll remember God, He'll remember you. Tonight, I cannot change America as a whole. <clears throat> Tonight, I can't encourage... 500 members of Congress to come before God. Tonight, I can't encourage entire states to turn to God, but I'll tell you what I can do tonight. I can beg individuals in this room to remember God. And my friend, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to tell you tonight would be a wonderful night to remember Him. And let's be a part of turning this nation away from hell and back to God. Let's bow our heads together.